0: To be very really good point to start for the regular yeah. kind of talk about do
1: I, do I get a guess? Yo, or what? Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> you, just, you
2: just kicked that shit. <laughs> wow. Yes, we are here today uh, on this episode with our dear friend Brian Fair, um, star of such well, such amazing bands in my world as Overcast and Shadows Fall. And we're going to get to all that shit and more, but, you know, I, I think we got to go, we got to go regular episode, uh, oh, yeah. style. And I think that it's just, let's just get right to the time that we're going to, I want to, cause this is our hundredth episode. And it's, I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, we have two weeks in between recordings now. And I, I was telling y'all, Earlier that I'm fucking sick of music right now, I'm I I feel like the Fugazi lyrics, you know it's cold outside. I hate outside. the sound of guitars. My hands yeah. are dry, skin is cracked, and I realize that I hate the sound of guitars. I'm fucking. I, so I've been listening to a little bit more podcast and spoken word even, and I checked out last week. I checked out the newest episode of. Uh, Axe to Grind. And I don't really listen to Axe to Grind very often. And usually when I do, it's because someone points me to it and they're like, oh, I heard this on this episode, or you got to check this out or whatever. Not necessarily in like a hot tea kind of way, but more in like a, hey, this was interesting and you should listen. So I started listening and it was the episode where they're talking about the uh, New York Hardcore Brunch, which I don't really want to get into here, but. At one point I was like, oh, yo, are they talking about us being dusty? And I even texted you two and was like, Is, are they talking about me, me us? What? And Jason's like, no, 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 no. But anyway, uh, I did have a conversation with Tom about uh, after that, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I really appreciate this episode, like what you guys are doing. And so I just wanted to give a public shout out to Tom Bob and Patrick for like really holding it down and like just continuing on with their podcasts. Like they fucking, they're, they're, they're regular. They're doing it. Um, I know that it's a grind. You know, we know firsthand that it's a grind to do this podcast and uh, it's not easy. And they're also doing stuff that our kind of world of podcasts don't normally do, which is the, they did the live, you know, performance or whatever at Sound and Fury. So uh anyway, shout out to or a bit at Bo. I'll say shout out because that's what they do. Shout out to uh Axe to Grind. Shout out to Coffee and Hardcore, which is another great um hardcore related podcast.
0: And uh I think that's really it for me. I, I listened to-, to that one too actually and I found it very Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know, I one of the things that they said in that episode was that
2: hardcore is having a moment right now, you know, it's kind of big and there's whatever way you feel about it. There's hardcore bands that are getting like corporate sponsorships. Again, I don't want to talk about that here right now, but um, they're, they're, they're discussing it. And, and this conversation is important to have It's important to listen to what other people are saying and then take that. And um, like the week after or the couple of days after I listened to that episode, we played a show and I could feel that there was maybe not hardcore kids at the show, maybe kids who weren't even into punk at all, but people who just wanted to be in a live music experience and uh if they can get drawn in more deeper into hardcore and brian you kind of had a probably a similar experience lately with the tattoo the earth uh fest right because there's people that go to these fests just to be in a live music experience and they might not even have ever heard of any band playing
1: oh yeah there, there was a lot of that there there was also a lot of people who are bringing their kids mm-hmm. who had never experienced anything like that and just seeing that kind of vibe it was very friends and family this past weekend, which was amazing. Like it had that feel to it also doesn't hurt when you literally turn around finishing your set and at the gate starts playing slaughter the soul in complete right next to you, which pretty much is going to make it the best weekend ever, regardless, Uh, followed up by crowbar. Um, But yeah, there's that, there was that vibe and hardcore goes through that though. uh, in a lot of errors where they, it has, it's had many of those moments Mm -hmm. where you turn around and you're like, all right, this isn't just me and my little elitist hardcore crew friends who, you know, were trying to hide it from the world, yet not understanding why you didn't get it at the same time. Uh, it's, it, you know, obviously you turn around and you're like, this is starting to blow up. And then, you know, and then things like, it, I got to watch a lot of that, like, evolution to like, from the sh- bigger shows to the warp Tours and then from the metal shows to the Ozfest, and watching bands make those progressions. And it's, it seems like there's that... You, turnstile is on fucking late night tv recently you know it's like that type of stuff is happening right now again and it's it's always going to have good and bad to it but for me it's, it's exciting because that music should at least cause those waves even if they can't be either sustained or if people are going to ride them just as a trend that's fine but the fact that it's still going to make those waves and have cultural impact is always going to be important you know i, I so, think yeah. it's
2: it's it's good to have growth uh, but I think that the level of gatekeeping also needs to keep up with that. I'm a, I'm a f- pretty firm believer in in gatekeeping.
1: I, I think the intensity of hardcore will always gatekeep itself to uh-huh. some level because uh-huh. like there has to be an element of fear to it, even if yeah. there's fun to that fear. Yeah. Otherwise, it does lose its edge, and then you're like, all right, well now we've taken the hard out of hardcore. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm like, not into style, getting, yeah, like I'm not I'm not into getting crowd killed or anything like that. I don't oh, want yeah. that. But no. like. i'm not into that type of like dancing but like i get it like Mm -hmm. i know why it has its place it has its place yeah i don't want to
2: get kicked in the face by a a 250 pound man standing on stage kicking straight down but if i I don't want that i'll go fucking stand in the back
1: well it's funny because overcast just played albany and the last time i was in albany was with a death ray vision show that i didn't get to play because i decided to go hang out towards the front during sworn enemy and took an elbow to the eye and literally had to go to the hospital and missed our set. And Jeez, I, and the promoter, same promoter, he's like, yo, you're not allowed to even go past the bar. <laughs> like you have to stand here and bubble wrap until you're set. He's like, I've seen how this goes. Yeah. So, so but Great. yeah.
0: I was just going to say too, like the, the whole idea of it, you know, getting it more in mainstream conscious. And I mean, first off it does come in waves because you know, h2o was on a late night show you know 20 years ago or whatever uh i mean sort of adjacent but like at the drive-in was on um and you know they came from hardcore but my take is always even if it gets to be this big thing where people know about it it's like it's like casting this net and then pulling in not all the you know you may mm. cast a giant net and not everybody's going to come in right and you're getting, you're getting like, a
2: lot of junk in that net but eventually yes you're like gonna, like you're gonna not, not everybody yeah. that
0: first hears you know rage against the machine i'll use them as an example is all of a sudden going to go and get the inside out seven inch mm-hmm. totally but
1: some may and, and then and, the other, you know. and then it'll push other people in the opposite direction where they're like you know what i'm gonna make my shit grimier more mm-hmm. diy and more mm-hmm. intense to keep my little world still alive uh you know is a reaction to that so it has you know that that energy goes in many directions i totally remember being like that holier than thou dude whereas if you're a seven inch wasn't Sold in a brown paper bag that you silk screened yourself. I was calling you a sellout, and then I was on a major label like eight years later. <laughs> you know, well, so, I was gonna say, and you guys yeah, were nominated for a Grammy, yeah, two, right? Two grand, two time nominated, bro. Give me that shine. I need that shine. <laughs> so, so before we even go first, like
2: what was that? Like? Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're still in shout it mode. Oh, we oh, are yeah. yeah, we're still so, in well, shout-it mode. If
1: I can shout it real quick, I just want yeah, to shout, shout out the uh the Al Snow style head behind Javier yeah it's like that's all i can focus on right now so <laughs> i just like hey. yeah my
2: wife's uh, i'm in my wife's office today and, and she's got all of her hair oh, education
1: see, stuff I'm, right i'm here. in my wife's office where she's a textile designer so i got all yeah. the fine you got the bust and, and stuff <laughs> awesome. yeah, yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> so.
0: so okay well if we're doing shout it's yeah outs. It. uh just real quick because this is a bit about a sponsor of siren records um SirenRecords.com. Check it out for all your independent record store needs. Um free shipping on their Discogs over 10 bucks. Uh great store. I'm actually going there as we're recording this. I'll be there tomorrow. Um, looking forward to it. And also a bit of bow to a new sponsor, uh Jinx Proof tattooing. I know Jason could say some stuff, but uh yeah, bit of bow to our dear friend Tad. Um, who God now I'm like I've known that dude for 20 years which is crazy but uh, Jinx Proof I mean the, the, that family runs deep yeah. Mike McTurnan, you know a, a lot of these different people that we've either talked about or had on here are, are part of that so Located
3: uh, in Georgetown in DC yes. if you're ever in the area it's an awesome shop go in check it out everyone a, works there is cool.
2: There's a couple of Jinx Proofs right out of this little Oh okay Yeah. For some reason, Um, I thought there was one more in the New Jersey area. Okay.
3: No, I think that maybe the term is used in tattooing often, but I think everyone on the, you know, D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, when they think of jeans proof, they think Mm -hmm. they they shop in in the And full
0: circle, you know, talking about Tad, uh, a friend of mine had asked me he was going to get tattooed, and he's like, oh, do you know, you know, Tad Payton? I said, yeah, it's my dude. Like I've known him for a long time. He's like, oh, I'm th- he's he's like, I'm you know I'm going to be getting tattooed by him. I have a consult or whatever. And uh, he said when he went in, they were listening to our podcast.
3: Weird. Oh, I love it. So yeah. I thought that was
0: pretty cool. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I heard the episode. They might have even been listening to the Inside Out one. I don't know what one it was, but I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, Jinx Proof, Siren Records. That's all. Jason, I got. what are you Jason? Got-
3: i gotta it's it's um it aligns with what we were just talking about so uh carlos that sang for Warren thin who tad played in he um he sent me this shirt that i don't know if you saw it, when quicksand played dc it says what's more punk than the public library well and this is something that walter was wearing and it's uh-huh. uh something by a library in dc the mount pleasant library um and Carlos sent me this, and if you're interested in picking this up, it is mtpfriends.bigcartel.com. It's kind of cool because Carlos had this idea, and it kind of caught on like wildfire, and they sold a bunch and raised a bunch of money for the uh, all proceeds go to programming for the Mount Pleasant Public Library in D.C., and Carlos was behind this, and if you look, there's articles. Great. And I love
0: Carlos. I think New York great Times. Dude. Yeah, great so about to him That's awesome. I love libraries.
3: Yeah. I don't use them as much as I should. And I think someone was telling me now you can check out
2: audiobooks there as well. And I sound
3: so old and dusty right now. Here,
2: I don't know if it's everywhere, but here, if you get a library card, you can get into state parks. Like the beaches here, some of them are a state park. And and if you get a library card, then it lets you get into the state park. So you could go to certain beaches that you wouldn't be
3: able to.
0: But Jason, I know here too, uh, In if you have a library card, you can go online, say you want a book. Like a lot of times when there's a new book that would come out, I would order it and then they get it shipped to your library for free. And then you go pick it up. Oh, yeah. there was
2: a a – what movie was it recently that I was trying to watch and it said that you had to – you could like rent it from your local public library site – it was like a punk documentary, I think. It wasn't the uh, dinosaur Jr. Remember one, that. was it? it no. Maybe?
3: I don't know. Uh, but uh, And also, of course, Bit of Bo to Brian and everyone that supports the pod. It's super cool to see that support yeah. online. I can't believe Even it's, it's, it's hundred that.
2: Yeah, so I actually, me? we talked about, I, I, I reached out to our friend Tyler who sings for the band Inclination to see if he wanted to come because I thought that it would be cool to have You know, someone more from our generation like Brian and then someone who's from a younger generation like Tyler. But Tyler's currently on tour in Northern California today with the band Speed, who is from Australia um, and are on Rev, right? Speed? No, you're thinking of Speedway. Speedway, oh. Speedway. No, Speed is. I should know uh,
0: this.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, sp- pull up the Excel like, file.
2: Yeah, right. Hey, I, 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 the Speed music videos are cool to watch. The music is not really my favorite. It's hard. It sounds almost like a harder terror. Um, but the music videos, it sounds like an oxymoron and it's, it's <laughs> a bit harder than terror to be honest. Um, but they're, they're cool. And they're, they're, one of their big things is, um, stopping, uh, Asian Pacific Islander hate that, you know, so they're, they're a little bit, they got a little bit of a socially conscious thing going on with that too. So awesome. yeah,
1: okay, cool.
2: Um, so yeah, uh, Brian, um, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, I, I was going to look it up today too, but I fanboyed out, uh, a f- few years ago because I got an overcast tattoo on the day that like the anniversary of I'll, Fight I'll Ambition say it was the anniversary yeah, of coming out, out it might've yeah. been like 20 year day or. It might have been either a big day or, or, maybe just an off year. I know Greg likes to celebrate, like the you know 27th anniversary of stuff.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I don't. I don't. I won't do a hard post for that anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have uh, me all self conscious. I'm like, is it divi- is it divisible by five? Yeah. yeah so I, I
2: and and not to get too deep on that, but I see now bigger, you know, news quote unquote news sites that are like celebrate the 17th anniversary of Sebado's seminal blah blah. And I'm like,
1: shut the fuck up. You're wasting, well, that's, you're wasting, they have content. a post quota. Well, they have a post quota. You can yeah, tell when that's that stuff true. happens. They're like, <laughs> yo, we haven't hit the reels in a while. we got to get that <laughs> reels money. So post something about the 12th anniversary of whatever. Oh, so, Jesus. But yeah, I, it's scary how long ago those record, those overcast records came out. Now, I think about it. We were playing a, uh, Bleeding to One this weekend, and we're like, this song is 30 years old. Yeah. And like, I feel old, I'm not going to lie, but I don't feel that old. And I was writing shit 30 years ago, but apparently that's where it's at. <laughs> you know,
2: sometimes... And, and this goes for all of the revelation catalog as well like you know i i played in a band that toured um from night i was in the band from 97 to about 2001 and when i listened to some bands that are my uh that were supposed to be my peers at the time like zeo you know we were kind of contemporaries of Zayo and i listened what to those band was this half i was in a band called 18 visions okay but we toured and played and, you know, we played around with Zayo. But when I listen to those Zayo records, I'm like, this is so far ahead of what we were doing. I feel like amateur hour compared to this shit. And when I think of other bands like Overcast and Disembodied and, you know, even like Into Another and um, Cave In, some of the ages of these dudes writing these records writing these lyrics writing these fucking shredding guitar lines or drum fills or whatever they were like the same age as me at the time and i was i i feel like i was so far behind what they were doing and yes it is crazy to think that it's been so long now since some of these records came out and and the age that some of these people and unfortunately some of these people like kind of peaked at the time. And Brian, luckily you didn't peek at this. You kept going. And so you broke out of that.
1: I I think one of the most insane things about hardcore is the ages of some of the musicians. When you hear things that become timeless or Mm -hmm. full genre forming like ideas that were coming out of 15 year old kids, you Mm -hmm. know, and not just like the energy of it, like, Oh, it's youthful energy. It's like, no, these guys were geniuses at a time where other kids were like still trying to figure out how to like you know pee straight exactly you know it's insane yeah. it, you know it's like sammy to me will always be the the craziest thing when you're like this guy was inventing hardcore beats when he was you know 14 years old yeah. 13 years old that are still played by people today that still can't even cop that feel you know yeah some of the right. drum
2: the drum beats on bringing it down and, and also to think that he was playing it like switch hand, you know? Yeah. Like See, that, I'm a lefty drummer. I'm, uh-huh. I'm a
1: lefty drummer. Like I play fully lefty now, but forever I was playing everyone's righty kit. So I had to uh-huh. go switch dance, you know? And uh, so he was always, I was, I was inspired by that. Um, but it's crazy to think like, even, you know, like, some of the bands like that disembodied record you put it on today and you're like this still sounds what people are trying to accomplish now with with heavier yeah you hear
2: knocked loose and then you're like knocked loose is literally just taking this formula from disembodied and turning it up to 11 on some of it but
1: totally and and having modern production that Uh can add to it but Uh like those guys were doing that then on budgets that were like a couple hundred bucks to go in the studio and record. Yeah. Uh, And the fact that it stands that test of time and ages so well is crazy because some stuff that I thought was like, so groundbreaking and crazy. I listen back to you're like, oof, okay, maybe this was it (laughs) that would hit at the perfect time Uh for me. But like listening Uh back, you're like, right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we've
0: talked about stuff like that on here where uh, like, you know, I'm not going to name the band names, but like half will be like, Oh, I'm, I'm not into this. And I'll be like, oh, but this is awesome. But then I realize it's awesome because I heard it when I was 16.
1: It has a timestamp for you. Yeah, you know what I mean? At, like it has a 40.
0: Yeah. It,
1: exactly. And there's a lot of things that you can't explain to someone to get them into it if they didn't live kind of through it or weren't at that musical evolution point to, to get it or to, to hear the impact.
2: Or watching them or watching yeah, those bands th- live.
1: That's the difference is like a lot of these bands, you listen to recordings and they couldn't be as good as it was. Cause they, they were going into some demo studio somewhere and mm-hmm. within in a couple hours and recording it all live. Mm-hmm. And, but then you'd see that band on stage. And you're like, if you could have seen this, you'd know why this band changed the game for all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's those bands that get lost to history. Like I know in, in the Massachusetts scene, there was this band arise who was the first band that was mixing like, Neurosis style grooves, grindcore, some melody, like crazy weird guitar lines. And live, they were literally destroying places, like physically, you know, like, like, so it was the most hectic, manic shit you've ever seen. And you try and listen to the demos that sound like they're like a snake hissing at you at this point on the cassette, and it's not going to hit someone that same way. It's like, but when you were in a VFW hall at 15, you were like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen. Like, holy yeah. shit, you know, and it's, it's, it's that, that's something that hardcore I think is unique in a way because it's not like, Oh, I heard this single on the radio and I went and checked out this band. You're like, I had no idea who they were. Walk into a VFW hall or a basement and get your head ripped off. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the few genres where that happens, you know, where you just stumble into shit that just changes your life immediately like that. So
0: yeah, Jason, I would say for, for you and I, maybe like to, that's how I feel about like No Justice. Like you play somebody the No Justice seven inch, they'll be like, oh, this is fine. But like if you saw him play. Oh,
3: dude. It was Insane. like
0: there was nothing like it. And you couldn't yeah. you couldn't describe. I mean, they still show that last show video. Like, yeah, yeah, pops yeah. Up sometimes, that's all I've like, ever seen. I've never heard No Justice, but I see that video. Every me. every show was like that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, every show but but you play the seven inch it's fine it's Mm -hmm. not yeah it's good but it you would never think like that they would that would translate like that and that yeah that is the thing with hardcore like and that's maybe sometimes why i'll sleep on some newer bands because if i don't see them live like i like seeing them live first almost because it it like it'll make me go okay i want to get the records the next time you know i can be up there and Mm -hmm. uh it, it's funny, I've gotten into
1: more newer bands by seeing a short clip uh, on like Hate 6-5 or whatever, you know, like that Sonny puts up, as opposed to hearing that in passing, I see the clip, I'm like who the fuck is that? And I get like more apt to get into it than than hearing just a, another song going by in a playlist of like mm-hmm. new releases or whatever. Or
2: like uh, No Echo, they do a really good job of posting new stuff, but sometimes I just, I'm, I'm not I don't want that content. I don't want to sit and read about um, Minneapolis's newest straight edge melodic hardcore band. You know what I mean? But yes, if you show me a video and someone's yeah. doing a flip or, you know, yeah. whatever it like, there's some crazy shit going on on the screen. It catches the eye. And totally, that's, it's like a plus and minus of our age too with, you know, the, the social media and the accessibility of things digitally is it's like all right there. So quick
1: so much overload
2: yeah. it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but the good part about that is too is like i just watched a video of overcast playing you know two or three songs at, at at the fest this past weekend and i i wouldn't have been able to see that otherwise and i literally saw it probably within 24 hours of it happening and yeah. not waiting for some third generation vhs tape to get past <laughs> <Yeah. to laughs> in the like a a mail
0: bootleg catalog so. yeah. totally. or totally. trading Trading VHS. Yeah, yeah. I that. had
2: I had a really gnarly VHS compilation that got lost to the hands of time. But that VHS compilation, especially some like Earth Crisis footage that we had gotten somehow, it really changed how shows were operated here, moshing style and etiquette and sing-alongs and stuff like that. Because we would all sit around and watch it and then be like, oh, we need this here. We have yeah, our right. shows have to look like this.
1: It's funny. Cause you'd see still photos and you'd be like, I think I know what the guy's move is, but you don't really know. And then you see video of the mosh and you're like, okay, I'm going to go practice that in the basement. You know, oh, <laughs> like, so, yeah. like back when you're, you know, I remember the first time seeing footage of like real old, like, you know, minor threat and SSD shows and being like, ah, oh, like, I would only seen photos like this looks so much more insane than I thought it would be, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, yeah, that Minor Threat, what was the, the official one
0: that came out? The Buff Hall or was um, it the, the no, it 930 was Club? 930 I think the v, uh-huh. it was a VHS, VHS I remember yeah. like, yeah, like pouring over that and watching just people go Yeah, I mean, I, I've said
2: many times that the opening sequence to The Decline of Western Civilization when I was in uh, the band The Mistake, that's all I wanted our shows to look like was just like a riot literally just like a <laughs> like a jail riot just no no form no arms swinging no fighting invisible ninjas no circle pit even literally fighting just like ninjas, yep. just
0: or just like creepy crawling and jumping yeah, around you know? yeah, yeah yeah like a punk well, a real like punk kind of energy yes. yeah yeah you yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so brian you said revelation especially you know the up to like what we've covered so far which we're now we're still in the our last episode was bluebird so we're in 97. how did nope. you first discover revelation was it did you have the war zone seven inch <laughs> yeah no,
1: yeah I, I cut in a little bit later than that i'll admit but uh uh honestly it's funny just like most other things that led to my musical evolution it was skateboarding and thrasher magazine uh i had I grew up a metalhead real early with like the neighbor across the street who was into Kiss and like Zeppelin and Rush and stuff. And then started getting into like, you know, the Aussies and Dio's of the world. And by, I'd say middle school, I had found out about like the Sex Pistols and the Dead Kennedys through like Thrasher. You know, I'd see the, the shirts, I'd, I'd hear stuff in skate videos. And then I subscribed to Thrasher and you got a free cassette and I got Break Down the Walls. That was the cassette I got. And I remember the first time I put it on, I was laughing hysterically. Like, I don't even know what the fuck this is. Like, what is this guy doing? What is this voice? I was like, is the drummer exploding? Like what's happening? Like I I was super into it, but like hysterically laughing, like just so overwhelmed. Like, ah, like I I need to know more. Like I need, you know, I'm looking at the pictures. Like these guys look like the toughest dudes, but at the same time look like the dudes on the lacrosse team, you know, like, well, I'm so confused, you know? And, uh, that started the rabbit hole of like discovering bands that were, you know, not just the like Mount Rushmore of punk rock, you know, like the, you know, like I said, this black flag, sex pistols, the logo bands, you know, the misfits I had been into all that stuff. So I started, you know, kind of getting a little bit deeper dive into it and, uh, discovering some of the New York hardcore. Uh, but it started my revelation. it I started with that, that, uh, break Down the walls cassette and, uh, then I met Mike D who, you know, I went on to start overcast with who's now in kill switch engage. And he's like, what are you doing this weekend? You want to go see leeway breakdown and only live witness at the channel in Boston. And I'm like, I think I was 14, maybe, maybe 15, probably 14 or 15. And I was like, I just read about the leeway demo in the, in Thrasher and was like, I'm totally in. I had no idea what I was getting into. I'd been to every arena rock show you could imagine, you know, Def Leppard striper, Kiss all of it, but I'd never seen anything like you know, an, a, a hardcore show. And the channel in like 89 was a scary fucking place, man. Like Boston Hardcore was still throwing down, and Leeway at that time was just I mean, I love Leeway. I don't know if, if you guys are Leeway fans, but like that crossover yeah. thrash of just those mosh grooves and just that little bit, just a touch of the double bass and Eddie's stage presence. I was just totally blown away you know, stage diving before I knew what stage diving meant, you know, like just going off. And then that was it. Every weekend was Boston hardcore shows, suburban hardcore shows. That was it. I was, I was hooked. So that led me down that rabbit hole of like, you know, Mike D was like my Sherpa who had every record already. He had been playing in hardcore bands for like probably like five or six years before that. And uh, he was in a band called Gigi Pelon and the Grub Monkeys uh, before <laughs> Before Overcast, uh, who you know who did the classic like just songs about like milking dead cows and shit like you know it's dumb <laughs> dumb shit that like fourteen year old kids do over like just you know D beats and shit you know. Uh, so he kind of started like turning me on to the Cro-Mags. and then I remember well, the first time I heard Judge, I was like, "This is the band I've been waiting for my entire life." You know, like the guitar tone the vocals, the lyrics were so like deep, but he seemed so mad about it. Like I was just like, this is perfect. So I started consuming anything I get my hands on at that point. And it was really revelation and new age records were my two kind of like wheelhouses at that point, you know? Uh, and luckily too, having a cool record store near me, uh, um, Newberry comics would have, you know, the seven inch box. I'd flip through every, every couple of days, and, uh, and uh, you know, just started getting just super into it. And at that time though, you know, there were so many great rev releases. Cause not only the old stuff, the stuff that was coming out in real time was like the quicksand seven inch and the burn seven inch were coming out while I was getting to still see those bands live inside out. I missed by so little where they were supposed to play Boston. The show was booked. The flyer was out. I was like, I'm going to see inside out. I can't believe it. And they broke up like weeks before the show. Thankfully, Burn jumped on instead, and at that time, Burn was just probably the oh sickest live band yeah. mm-hmm. that you could see at that time. Uh, but never got to see Inside Out. So who else bummed, was on man. that?
2: Who else was on that Inside Out bill locally? Uh,
1: it, it was uh, there was. Let's see. Was it Bun Raddies in Boston? It was Burn Kingpin, who was a local, like kind of verbal assault sounding sort of mm-hmm. uh, hardcore band. Who were, incredible band. They finally just released some of their unreleased stuff on Atomic Action. Uh, recently. If you don't know about Kingpin right. from Boston, man, you gotta check them out. It's so fucking good. Uh who else was I, you know, I forget who else was on. Probably third degree and a few of the other like local kind of the BHC bands. There was like mm-hmm. different degrees of Boston hardcore then. There was the real tough stuff like Wrecking Crew and Slapshot that were in their own kind of world. that I was more in the like BHC, like I eye, eye for an eye, Kingpin, Endless. And it was more melodic. It was way more like. I don't know. It was like bike courier core, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like everyone was kind of like artsy nerdy people who weren't beating anybody up, but we still loved, you know, going to see slap shot and all those guys, we sure. were just kind of hanging out by the merch table so we didn't get punched. You know,
2: how did it make you feel when you heard a song about Boston coming around one night? Uh, to yeah, I, I, Square?
1: Yeah. At, at, at that point I was like, man, I, I was like watching a documentary to me. And you know, at that point <laughs> I was like, I was too, too young for any of that stuff. Yeah. And, Honestly, such a judge fan. I was like, you can do whatever you want, man. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike, whatever. I wanted to yeah. interject too that um you mentioned Only Living Witness. Oh I got into Only Living Witness from Shadows Fall because you really? had the, oh, from the cover You did that, the, the, the cover, the cover and December. I was like, Yeah, oh, this
1: is awesome. I, I gotta check out Only Living that Witness. Band. Holy shit. Like th- they started as kind of like a thrashy sort of like more technical band on their first seven-inch. And then just realize, like, we got riffs. Why don't we just play fucking riffs? And that dude's voice was so good. Yeah, uh, that was what and, I
0: love heavy music where they have a singer who can sing. Yeah. Because you know, he's like, got
1: super range, but he's got it's it's tough. It's not like super pretty, it's like it's it's got some balls to it. And man, at the time they played everything and everywhere in Boston. You couldn't go to a Boston show without only witness on the bill. And uh, there was a lot of weird bands in Boston then. Like, I don't know if you guys knew Sam Black Church at all. One of the oddest sounding the band of all time. yeah, that's not for me the, a yeah. lot of
2: this stuff that you guys are talking about it's it's not for me the only uh, living this, witness no. no this really sing, the singing more than the like screaming or yelling the over hard music. That's not really, especially See, like have, a groove mosh. That's my, like, like that's why and, I like, love leeway. Like, like life like of that agony that is, and like all that type of stuff. Like that. I for
1: not, his voice was unique. He was singing, but it was in that weird, like kind of what Chaka became later on. Uh-huh. Lloyd had that same sort of like, just deep like sort of like and his flow was very hip-hop ish too like, like a
0: preacher i always say it's yeah like it's a totally preacher. Like,
1: mm-hmm. dude, and those eye for an eye groups because they weren't their distortion was barely even on too they were like it was a feel thing and man it was all bass it was that, that their live sets in like 91 were as fun as it gets like an eye for an eye show in boston so much fun it was, i just remember courier bags everywhere <laughs> back some well, you know back too, some uh,
0: bags. only living witness he did that band milltown with milltown yeah man and they German. were they should yeah. have been huge if they yeah, didn't yeah, melt they,
1: down the studio making that record man yeah that was, shit but, was so good uh so, they
0: were like signed to a major i think and yep. everything yeah um, they had i um, actually also that record man i actually also no lie from that shadows fall i knew leeway I bought the Dangerous Toys record. I was like, this is a fun record. because <laughs> I think Scared is like, a great Brian, song. Yeah. So, Brian but, Baker, uh, I think, did backups on it or something. Yeah, that, or I think that was in guys. his, like,
1: Hollywood days, you know? It was a yeah. junk, it was his junkyard days, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he so I definitely bought hilarious. that from a cutout band somewhere. Dude, pi- picture this shit. So, Jason McMaster is the singer for Dangerous Toys, who was also in this band, uh, Watchtower, before, who were, like, super proggy, heavy, Prima Sugar shit. He did, you know, that, you know, Dangerous Toys were a fairly glamish band, and we had him do vocals on that track. We played a show where it was us. It was a, it was the Take Action tour, so it was like mm-hmm. us. uh, As They Lay Dying, Avenge Sevenfold, I think Throwdown, and we played in Texas. And he shows up. I'm like, dude, you're coming up and singing, teasing and pleasing with us tonight, and the crowd couldn't have been more confused they're just like <laughs> what the fuck is this old dude up there singing where yeah. you know and there was like 10 drunk dudes at the bar like Rargh! like this rules and then like 400 confused like metalcore kids Mushers, you know yeah. <laughs> it was so great that's inc- that's the most that fall like to do done. that a lot though we like to like be like oh hey we're playing with cannibal corpse and uh you know and all these death metal bands let's do live wire by motley Crue instead <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man
3: you
1: know the, the, the like that the boston
2: hardcore that i was more into was starting to get into the the Hydrahead scene like you know towards yeah. like later era overcast stuff when a lot of like um you know isis yep. and like that kind of like where maybe it's not even hardcore anymore uh, more uh, unless you count it as people getting in the van and playing you know smaller shows like at this point, what constitutes hardcore? Is ISIS a hardcore band? I, I don't really know, yeah, but
1: sonically, no. But everything yeah, else about them is a hardcore. it totally. Was also I, that was what was cool about the Boston scene is you had a lot of bands that weren't afraid to like. I always call like it's like you got your peanut butter and my chocolate, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Like no one cared if you were mixing a lot of that stuff. Except in the suburban scene, I'll mm-hmm. say like some of the real old school Boston heads were like. If it isn't like DYS style, it ain't shit, you know, like, mm-hmm. whereas all the suburban kids like us and Converge and Cave-In, mm-hmm. we were listening to everything and not afraid to kind of mix it. I mean, even Converge's evolution alone is one of the craziest things to yeah, watch. The I mean, they original, sound like Biohazard. Yeah, the they sounded straight up like Biohazard.
2: The original logo <laughs> that looks like graffiti and it says X Converge X. It's like totally
1: and, very yeah, different. The, the gravel seven inch, man. Uh-huh. It's so like, just, you know, like. Grooved out, He's trying to do The sheer terror Almost vocals Like it's great I've never heard it Oh dude, I gotta check it out <laughs> And uh they, they, I think I think He was Jake was like 14 or something mm-hmm. When that shit came out Uh but yeah And then they They evolved so quickly And I remember them Being one of the bands Where Overcast We were always kind of A little more A musician-y I guess you'd say mm-hmm. Than some of our peers At the time mm-hmm. And then Converge Came along We're like Oh shit We gotta practice more <laughs> like these dudes can play and then cave where the young kids were like oh come on man that's not fair like I, I was where- gonna say I- I where think did Brodsky- you get these riffs already
0: like I think Brodsky's like i'm i'm 41 i think he's maybe two years older than me yeah. and he's like he was like 18 or whatever yeah. when he wrote until your heart Stops." Exactly. Un- unreal that's it's what i was talking crazy. about earlier that's specifically who i was talking about
2: like i think the oldest person in the band when they wrote that record was like 20 or 21
1: totally. and, 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 and it's so fully insane. realized that's so a, it's crazy. it's one thing to have riffs and skills yeah like but it's they another songs, thing to have a fully realized idea structure, interludes crazy. totally it, like i'll never harmonies. forget first
0: hearing that oh, record man. too and i was like absolutely blown away i was like yeah. how is this the same band that did that cross bear yeah seven inch, yeah. and whatever, then jupiter you know?
2: comes out and i'm completely devastated that it doesn't sound like heavy as uh you know until your heart stops and i completely <laughs> lost interest in the band
1: see it was a shocker to me but then i was like i'm in for the ride let's see mm-hmm. you know and then i i but I, their most recent record to talk about a band that like you know you you're afraid you peaked out when you were 18 uh-huh. or 19 to come back and drop the record they just did is unreal, man. That every time I listen to it, I hear something new. Uh, but yeah, man, the you boss. I gotta got listen lot of to that music. one. Yeah, the... and,
2: and you know what? I gotta give a bit of bow to one of the common threads. There is Nate Newton because yes, he is yeah. such yes. a shredder in, such... on and off the stage. Without I, a doubt, he is a doubt. such a great dude
1: such and a great dude uh, killer skateboarder yeah. one of the sickest bass tones in the history of <laughs> oh four my strings God, yes and now that he's got the little ponytails the on each hair. side i'm like dude uh-huh. you're just like now you look like the coolest dude Man, alive he looks so cool he
2: on he has some of the best stage presence of anyone that i've ever seen hold an instrument he is a wonder a a timeless wonder of hardcore
1: indeed bit it bow to the nate the yes. nate dog <laughs> i think because he joined was
0: he he was in that was he in jesuit before that yeah one? he yes. sang for yes. jesuit he was in jesuit okay. Okay. yeah and, now, like, and i remember people being like the guys shows uh-huh. with them uh-huh. yeah, from so. jesuits now in converge yeah so it was like even in, before converge uh-huh yeah um yep. my cave story have because i was i was just thinking now i love the jupiter record and uh-huh. actually my favorite is antenna mm-hmm. but I loved until your heart stops. And they did that. If you remember, they did that creative eclipses EP. I I love that record. That record. They lost me after that. I put it on and I was like, okay, he's going to like, I was like, Oh, he's starting with clean singing. Like this is weird. And I was like, but he's going to yell. Right. And he didn't know. And he never did. And then when Jupiter, I was like bummed. And then Uh of course, you know, a few years later I ended up being like, this is great. Greg, have you
2: ever heard that uh, kid kilowatt record? Yes. Cool, it's it's good. This the yeah. seven inches is good, and there was a there I had a, a CD, a comp. Well. yeah. There was a CD comp that had a song called "The Bicycle Song," that was like a staple on mixtapes for me. Like if you got a mixtape from me, that fucking song was going on there. But it was like only on a CD compilation at first. And Dude,
1: how much you miss mixtapes, man? Dude, getting a cassette from mm-hmm. someone I knew from a different part of the country that would just have trying to scribble as many things as they could. Where yeah. it's like tons of seven inches and in demos. Yeah and man, I miss those days. Like I had, just... um,
2: I had a, a pen pal in Buffalo, this girl, Andrea, this is like 95, 96. And she would send me mixtapes with like brothers keeper, seven inches and Slugfest and that kind of stuff. But then also like local, like techno, like happy hardcore and like that kind of stuff. So it was a wild ride and always decorated with like scratch and sniff stickers and like you all the, got the, you got to put your personality
1: yeah. into the uh-huh. liner notes and ever into the drawings and all mm-hmm. that and you know totally man so yeah because you know it's one thing to have a playlist it's another thing to get a cassette in the mail yes. that you're just like having no idea what's about to happen you know yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: speaking true. of buffalo and mixtapes i actually got a mixtape uh maybe it was earlier this year or last year from friend of the pod jeremy smith of, mm-hmm. JDS. of tuning fame mm-hmm. JDS, yes, a bit of bow to him. He sent me a mixtape because um, he had asked, I think, on Instagram, does anybody listen to cassettes? And I I, I do. Um, and he sent me one, and it had, like, the freaking notebook paper, you know, uh-huh. crunched in there that just – and he, he wrote – the songs and he wrote a little bit about the song and it was really cool. And I was like, that's something that's completely missing now from. Yeah. You know, um, you uh, know
2: what? I, I forgot to bit at Bo. If we're talking about hardcore podcasts, I forgot to bit at Bo 185 miles South earlier, but course. I believe that he, it was him on an episode talking about Japanese hardcore and some of the most in-depth nerdiest shit I've ever heard anyone talk about Hardcore punk before like dates and people and people that have died and records and all that shit. Like it, it was insanely knowledgeable. So bit of bow to 185 miles south and JDS. So Brian, you were talking this is not podcast related
3: as far as 185 Miles South goes, which is one of my favorites, but touring wise and show wise, what were some of the stranger bands that Shadows Fall played with? I talked to my friend Colin last night and did you tour with 10 yard fight?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, uh we did shows with them, but the, we, a uh, shadows fall fell in a weird spot where we had a lot of hardcore history where, you know, I was in overcast Paul was in push button warfare and Bloodbath before that, even, you know, like all that stuff. So we, but we were, We were a metal band. We we sounded very, very metal.
2: Shadows Fall also had another
1: singer before you. Yes, who's now in in... All That Remains. Right. And was he in
2: another hardcore
1: band before that? Uh, yeah, He he played in some other, but more localish bands. But like John, our guitar player, played in Aftershock, uh, who was another mass hardcore band. Uh Um, But so like Shadows Fall, we played crazy weird runs where three tours in a row we, we did. It was us, All Out War. And Bane was a run that for like two weeks. We jumped off that, went on a death metal tour with Christian Dismember and Cataclysm, where we were the softest band by far out of all those. Hopped on the King Diamond tour next, yes, and then and then went out with Glassjaw that was all oh, that's a like Hobbs dream yeah so we co- it is. we covered fucking all out war tour where we did local hardcore shows then we did a death metal run then we toured with King fucking Diamond. and then we hopped off a glass <laughs> all within like six months if that wow. yeah I, so, uh, the only
2: time but, I ever saw shadows fall was out here with remembering never
1: ah uh, yeah yeah that was one so of those was, either take action or or uh one of those type of tours I forget uh, yeah. But I remember never a great band, too, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we played all over the place. And yeah, like we did full tours with Candyria. We did full tours with uh you know, a lot of hardcore bands. And what's funny is every we I remember we played the Super Bowl of hardcore in uh DC, and it was when the bad brains were playing but didn't get to play because someone got stabbed during Gnostic Front. I don't know mm-hmm. if any of you guys were around for that one at all. That was fucking crazy. Uh, but we like it was funny because, like, we're like at the Super Bowl of hardcore, and we're like, "Sorry, there's going to be a lot of guitar solos and then the occasional clean guitar, like, you know, interlude." And uh, you know, but we, the hardcore dudes, always loved us in the bands because they're all metalheads as well. A lot of the musicians, but we definitely would get some funny looks occasionally on some of those bills from uh, from some dudes. But but
0: I feel like you can always tell the bands where the people come from hardcore, especially live.
1: Yeah, I'll and that you. was what,
0: like, because I don't, I'm not a huge into, me- but I, I would, I'm a Shadows Fall fan and yeah. I had known, you know, your history in hardcore. And that was what, you know, again, that CD with the covers on it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, I, Leeway. I, and it's like, yeah, as a front man, I was always way more of a hardcore front man singing in a metal band than totally, I ever was totally the other totally. way. And like, you know, you know, that, that
2: to hear you say that it's like taking my thoughts out of my head because I was such a big overcast fan and shadows fall is different than overcast. It's, it's like, I always thought of it as kind of a more professional overcast, right? Like these guys look like shredder, heavy metal dudes that, but this hardcore kid was singing for this band. And when you played live, it wasn't like you were some untouchable cock rock mic stand. Like, what's up,
1: Philadelphia? Yeah. You know, it was
2: <laughs> like you were you were Brian Overcast singing for a new band.
1: Like, to- yeah. I, I guy didn't change any of that. And it's uh-huh. much to the chagrin of a lot of metal fest promoters, <laughs> where they're like, "Why is this dude jumping off the barricade into uh-huh. the crowd? Like, with our expensive microphones, you know." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, for, for me, that's just I, I wouldn't know how to do anything else on stage because you know the, the people I grew up loving to watch were you know the the Rays of today, the Eddie Leeways, you know like uh, all like that that approach to it just and that connection though uh, with the audience is what gets me on stage. If it, I I couldn't if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the energy or the the desire to even go and play. If there wasn't that in you know connection and insanity, so.
0: Yeah. That's how I felt too. Like with, um, it's the same thing with Lamb of God. I felt like it's like Randy Mm -hmm. is like a punk hardcore dude that just happens. 100%. We used to talk about it all the
1: time. We're like, we're like, we're the two like hardcore kids who like snuck into the metal bands Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, but like, and I, but I think that added to why we stood out as well at a time where, uh, when we were kind of coming up, it was all new metal, you know, it was all new metal. And here we are with like seven minute long songs and like two guitar solos, you know, and no, no DJ, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably still big pants, but you know, more in the nineties way than as opposed to the, the Jenko way. Sure. Um, oh god! But, uh, um, and so I think when we would play something, we always said like, if you get shadows fallen from an OZFest crowd, we'll kill it. And when we finally did, it was obvious, man, like OZFest 2003, the second stage was half major label, new metal bands, and then, like us, Sworn Enemy, E Town Concrete, Chimera, and Kill Switch. And you saw the change in the guard, like right there. Mm-hmm. These new metal bands were like, ah, oh, man, we missed. We missed the boat. You yeah, know, it's yeah, over. Yeah. And half of them broke up before the tour even ended. They like uh, knew. They like gave up. They're like, ah, we're done. Because there yeah.
0: was that period in the mid 2000s where it was like Shadows Fall, um, Lamb of God, uh, Kill Switch. Kill Switch. Kill Switch yeah all yep. came from hardcore, even like, even yep. like Hav mentioned, you know, your old band, 18, well, 18 visions, where they, maybe that was a little different, but no, they not. were not, yeah, we, throw,
1: throw down. Yeah. yeah. But we, um, we, uh, shadows fall did a, a couple runs with 18 visions. Uh, I still have my pink 18 vision shirt somewhere around mm-hmm. here. Um, uh, and it's, we always had a blast. If anything, they were going more like, as our, our lead guitar player wanted to be more of a, a glam metal band anyway. And he'd see them, he's like, see, you can mix it in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, that was the other thing of about the scene connection allowed a lot of those type of shows to happen too, where it'd be like, it wasn't weird for us to hop on with 18 visions and then have all out war. Sure. And then how, you know, those other bands were like, ah, we all, we all came up together. It's all good.
2: The only difference is that maybe Shadow's Fall was playing a, Forty or forty-five minutes set as opposed to a twenty-minute set. Exactly. Some of these other like to this
1: day, I still hardcore metal should come in thirty-minute doses, my friends. You know, uh, the Overcast reunion we had to play forty-five minutes when we headlined, and I was just like, "That's a lot of us," and I like us, but this is a lot of of us, (laughs)
2: especially
1: forty-seven years old, man. You know, like yeah. I did want to ask about
0: Shadows Fall. Ended up you mentioned earlier, you know, being your in your younger elitist years. But you guys signed to a major label, Atlantic Records, home mm-hmm. of you know Led Zeppelin. Uh, exactly. What was that? What was that
1: like? I mean, because you did grow
0: up listening to like that kind of you know
1: hard it, it, rock it, and stuff. It was pretty crazy, man. Because like when we signed with Century Media, we thought like, ah, that's kind of going little, you know, corporate, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, and they. We ended up just kind of growing and getting to the point where we're selling, you know, hundreds of thousands of records and and really getting a lot of exposure and getting the MTB2 play and all that. Mm-hmm. So by the time, after, midway through the War Within album cycle, the vultures started like creeping in from the sides and we started getting wined and dined which as a vegetarian man, isn't as much fun when they take like everyone to a high end steakhouse in LA and I'm like eating a like wedge salad, just like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, trying to figure potato, out how to spend, yeah, how to potato. figure out how to spend their money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so it was strange because we were nervous, you know, we were like, ah, you know, we don't want to alienate the people who got us here, but at the same time, we're like, man, the infrastructure that we have now is almost like a major label. Like we were working with the same business manager as Gene Simmons and all this, uh, our booking agent was pretty, you know, doing big acts. And we're like, well, it's worth pursuing. So we, when well, we met with Atlantic, we told them what we wanted up front. We we our, our lawyer used to work for Atlantic and she's like, this is what you want in your contract. So we signed the most band from friendly deal you could imagine. We wanted hundred percent control of everything. We want, like, we're like, we're not, you're not even going to hear the record till it's done. Um, But the budget is now enough to where we can record at Dave Grohl's studio, you know, Mm. which is, so we we, we're trying to balance where like, we want to go big, but we want to have it all under our control. And the one thing that we ran into though, was just that like mentality of, Hey, there's a $20,000 video budget. We can make like 10 videos, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're like, Nope, you got to spend it on one. Like, that's stupid, you know? So we're like, okay, we're going to rent a crane and go on a rooftop in LA and like, you know, do all this shit. And basically we had our friend, Zach Merrick, like who had done all the other videos. We're like, well, you're just going to get paid a lot more, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so and just you know had and to play the game a, that's a little bit such
0: a that's such a hardcore thing to do totally. like, yeah, yeah, to, totally, to be like totally. you know what you're coming with us like mm-hmm. like that thing uh and
1: we did that our whole way up too that was one thing like we we our, our videos were all produced by like the same same dude who was a friend of ours who had done like the first converge video and all that uh zeus was our producer through everything we, we broke off for a little while like to do a couple records mostly just because he was busy and schedule wise our management team was the same dudes who were like our friends from when we started, we really kept it family, sometimes to detriments, because you're like, this is how we do it. Even if it wasn't always the most productive way, we're like, we were also a a very democratic band, which slowed things down a lot, because it had to be, it wasn't majority rules, it was five yeses. Like it had to be because we didn't want to hear shit later about like I didn't want to do that, I uh, that you know this isn't my fault. Yeah, anymore. no, no, it's everybody's fault. We fucked up together. Like you know, <laughs> career suicide was all in or all out. You know, um, but so it, it, but it was a crazy time because and you get caught up a little bit and I'm not going to lie, you know, like your, your ego gets caught up in it. We're going to the Grammys. I'm like 10 rows behind Gwen Stefani trying to like get her attention, you know, like, like shit like that, you know? And, but, uh, what keeps you grounded is the fact that we came up slow burn way, as opposed to like overnight success. Cause we Mm -hmm. saw some bands who blew up from a first single and that's a lot harder to handle, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's
0: historically just, really hard to handle because totally.
1: we'd had a 10 year burn to get to there and watched a lot of people on the way down too. So we also learned real easy that you don't ever talk shit on your way up because you're going to see all these people on your way down <laughs> and they're going to rub it in. <laughs> so yeah. well, I see that, you,
0: you know, we talked earlier about the Grammys. There's uh 2006 best metal performance for what drives the week and then nominated in 2008, for uh redemption you got to go to the grammys now Let's you know when you're there whether or not you win right is that how uh, it no
1: is? no you uh but the the metal ones all 80 of them aren't televised they basically put you into this room where it's like it reminded me of like your like high school track and field awards you're all sitting on like folding chairs and like <laughs> they just kind of rattle through them and uh we we knew we weren't going to win though because slipknot the first year had been nominated, I think two or three times and hadn't won. And we're like, there's no way they're not getting it. Like, that's just, it's going to happen. And to their credit, there was a jazz band that would play after they'd announced and they'd, you know, you'd walk down. They they sat in the last row possible and took like 10 minutes to walk through while the jazz band was like, Jesus, we got to go through this like rotation again (laughs) and just milked their time. They're like, if you're not going to put us on TV, we're going to take all your time. Uh, And then the next year, Slayer was nominated. And we're like, ah, Slayer's going to, you know, like you just know, like it's they, these voters, they don't know the bands like by the music. They just like, let's see. Shadows fall. Never heard of them. Uh Let's see. King diamond. Oh, I've kind of heard of that Slayer. Oh, I know Slayer check. You know, so right. that's how the voting works. But then you go to the big room and there's no food, no drinks allowed in the place. So after like, A bunch of acts where I'm like watching uh, Who is it, that guy who did the song about Ticks, uh, Brad Paisley Midway through a Brad Paisley (laughs) song I'm just texting everyone like, can we go get Mexican food? Like, I am so ready to leave And we just bounced, we just like took off. And then we went and hit some of the parties Afterwards, because that's where the fun's at You know, like hitting like the Universal party And Mm -hmm. seeing the celebs It seems like it would be boring otherwise It was so boring, man Like, you know, we got lucky with a few I got to see Morris Day in the Time reunion That was cool as hell and then Paul McCartney played the second time we went. That was cool, but overall it was pretty rough. Like it was a pretty rough show. And you're not allowed did, to leave. Did you, you meet, meet
0: s- any? Did you meet any like people? Uh, like, yeah, a little bit. Crazy, for like- me,
1: like my biggest fanboy moment. Uh, see, as you can probably tell from the hair, I'm a little bit of a hippie, in my own self. And I spent just as much time at Grateful Dead and Fish shows as I did at hardcore shows. And uh, Trey Anastasio from Fish was there for uh, being nominated for a jazz record with Herbie Hancock. And it was so hard not to just full on like Wayne's world style, like fanboy, yeah. boy, you know, I, I was like, don't punish him. Just say hello. Don't tell him how, you know, that he changed your life and all the things you want to say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but so that was cool. But, But my problem was I didn't know who a lot of people were. So I was like talking to someone who was like, they're like, oh, she's on the Desperate Housewives. I'm like,
0: I don't know what that is, you know? Another That's totally another hardcore, that's another like just hardcore person thing. Like, I don't know who these pop. I don't know who these people
1: are. I live in my little bubble. Yeah. Like there'll
0: be certain songs that like, my wife will be like, you've never heard this song. And I'm like, when did it come out? And she'll be like, 1998. And I'll be like, I was listening to, you know, yeah. revelation stuff yeah oh. i didn't care about the right
2: dude guy. we watched the the vmas the other day What we were in phoenix for a couple days and um we watched a bunch of vma performances and i was like
1: who i don't know who any of these who, people what, are who? it's crazy yeah. Ba- yeah. Bad what? and then you see the numbers they do and you're like how is this band sold or this artist sold so many copies have billions of streams and i'm like i have never even heard the name Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking Uh, of, uh, speaking of punishing, I'm going to move this along. And Brian, what is your, since you've been a fan of us from day one, what has been your favorite Mm -hmm. episode and favorite release of, of, uh, of the pod so far?
1: favorite episode was anytime Mike judge was speaking like mm-hmm. that dude uh, to hear his stories. And in that like cadence and just that voice. Uh, cause he, to me, he was the ultimate, you know, hardcore mystique mystery. Like, yeah. you know, cause I, I, again, judge showed up to play Boston once got there late and it was only able to sell merch in the parking lot and didn't oh, actually play. Yeah. <sighs> So it's, you know, happy to get a judge shirt, but it would have been much happier to have like been standing on someone's head, yeah. you know, like singing along. So didn't get to see them. So that was always like, you know, a Holy grail band of mine. Um, and so that was re- just, he went so deep on stuff too. Yeah. You know,
2: incredible. I, I edit the shows and I usually do a very thorough job of editing out any pauses or filler words, or I really pay attention to the flow, but I did not fucking touch Mike Judge's voice at all because yeah. his pauses, like the, the stuff he wasn't saying was just as impactful as the stuff he was saying.
1: 100%, because you can you can hear him like not only picking his words, but also just you can see him replaying it in his head and just like reliving it in that moment. It's like, it's so cool. Like So that was amazing. And as an insanely... Freakish into another fan, getting all hearing all the guys. First of all, Drew's like my favorite drummer in the world, and I was not ready for his voice though, like because I never really spoke to him, and he was I I just expected it to be more just like yeah man, uh, i'm just chilling back here. So like, and it was just so much active. more New York, and like you know like <laughs> I was like holy shit. Yeah, yeah. but um, and, and what's what's crazy is he was my favorite. Like, Break Down the Walls drumming some is some of my favorite, like, hardcore, straight hardcore drumming. But then, like, what he did with Into Another was so grooved out, s- precise in a way that was, like, it was simplistic, but, like, because it was planned, not because it was just stripped down. It was so, every tom hit was there for a reason, like, and, like, I play along to uh, ignore, ignore Us all the time, like, on drums, poorly. And I, those fills are just like part of my DNA now. So, like hearing all that was for me was amazing. So,
2: yeah, you know, I said this to uh, Drew, but some of those fills, especially like the slow fills, that are almost like if if Lars from Metallica knew what he was doing,
1: th- if he played it in tempo, it would it would be because it's those those Tom fills where it's like. Well, he's totally. got the hi hat still going, where you're like, totally. Oh, it's so perfect. And Lars tries to do that; he just does it on an accent where it's not with the riff, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, that so those those ones into another. That band was so mind blowing at the time. I'll never forget. Mike D went to see them at a. Uh, it was a POW MIA benefit at the Channel, oh, wow. and they had no records out. They, into Another did not put out any music yet. And they were on the bill, and everyone just knew Richie Underdog's new band, you know. And he he came out of that show to uh, overcast practice with this like big eyes, like I don't even know how to describe what I just saw. He's like, it was this heavy, sabbathy, oozing music. And Richie literally broke the PA when he hit a high scream that was like a sound he had never heard. And I was like, Holy shit, you know, like what is it? And then we got the first record and it was just that was all we listened to and uh then ignorus i'm not going to lie the first time i saw them play some of those songs live i was like okay i'm not sure where we're going here but i'm i'm intrigued and then that record took me a few listens to like just absorb what was happening and then it became my favorite record of all time you know
0: mm. so- it's it's easily one of the best uh Rev releases. Oh, without
1: ignores. a doubt. And it's one of the most unique records of all time. Yeah. Like, like be transcending hardcore post hardcore to me, it's just genius because it sounds like one complete thought as an album where there's absolutely no filler, but everything bleeds right to the next step. And it almost, I'm like, how did you write something that perfect? Like that, that was what will always blow my mind about certain albums. Cause like, I'm proud of a lot of riffs and songs and stuff. i play. like, But to have an album where you're never like, eh, I wish I could have done this different. Uh, Maybe this song went on too long. That shit is just like everything in its right place, everything where it's supposed to be, no wasted energy, just perfect record. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah.
3: Someone was telling me that the into another shows in Boston were really tough. Like that people were moshing very hard when into another place.
1: They, yeah. they Those shows were crazy. They would play the Middle East a lot downstairs in the basement, which was like one of those classic low ceiling, open floor kind of venues. The only thing is I'll tell, the only thing that was different about those shows was, yes, people were dancing really hard and going crazy. There was also like a hundred girls on each side of the stage singing every word, just looking with like stars in their eyes too. And like, so, which did not happen at overcast shows did not happen at like blood for blood shows, you know, like, uh, you know, not that there weren't girls there, but there wasn't that like, Oh, like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, but they, they, I, I know they had trouble other parts of the country where I don't think it hit as hard, but in Boston into another were Kings of that era they would come in and just those shows were always packed and off the hook so
0: and if i'm not mistaken or I'm, or maybe i'm maybe i'm mistaken but didn't kill switch take into another album yes app they then, did uh, and like, and like I didn't know that. fairly
1: reu- fairly recently like you know like it was I, I guess well now everything seems like it was recent although it was probably like 5 or 6 years ago but but yeah they they took them out and uh the response was definitely like a little like confused from some of the younger like Killswitch mm-hmm. fans, but man, they expose. The... That's what I love about bands like Killswitch. They're like they're gonna do that. Yeah. They're gonna be like, we want them not only on tour because we love these dudes. We want to expose you guys to this. You you need to hear these guys. I and, saw uh,
2: into another out here with Glassjaw, and there was a lot of confused people at that gig too because old people, older people, maybe weren't ready for. Into it, or for Glassjaw, and yeah. Glassjaw fans were like, "What is what's happening? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah." And, 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 and in my head, they a
1: challenging band. They are yeah. a challenging band. Yeah. It's not Both something of those bands Are yeah, totally. Let's. Well, I remember the first time I heard Glassjaw. I heard the name and saw they were on Roadrunner and assumed new metal. Like mm. I was like, "Ah, is this gonna be some whatever?" And then that first song starts. I'm like holy shit what am i getting into yeah and then i kind of learned more about them and you know some of their their long island background and you know some of the bands they'd been in and stuff and it made more sense Mm -hmm. but man when we toured with them they became my favorite band Mm -hmm. in the world at that moment and daryl's presence was so unique and amazing and just uh, the the rawness the intensity were there and the only thing I was bummed is I never got to see them play live with Shannon Larkin who recorded the drums for that well, album. He, I don't think he ever played he, he never live did. with them once. No, yeah, he, he yeah. they pulled him in because, you know, they were like, yeah, Ross, Ross Robinson, Robinson was just like, mm-hmm. dude, this dude's going to kill it. And dude, yeah. it's weird that he's in Godsmack now, but that dude uh-huh. is one of the greatest drummers of all uh-huh. time. His shit with Rattchild, America and Glassjaw and then Amen. I don't know if you ever heard the band Snot. Amen with Casey Chaos. Yeah, Snot, I forgot about Snot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. What a drum man. Oh, but that's a, a name I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's not. Um, but yeah, dude, what a Glassjaw is such a unique band. And and but again, when we toured with them, there was confusion on both sides of the crowd as well. Like a bunch sure. of metal dudes would show up to see us, and a bunch of their fans would show up and see them. And it was just like, huh, what the hell's going on here? <laughs>
0: but that's pretty awesome, you know, that Mike, you know, gets blown away by into another, and then you know, years later yeah it t- to t- takes time. of out. return the favor mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. that's really cool I, and again that's something that i think really only happens in hardcore you know what i mean like you don't you don't usually see that
1: happening in uh other totally. scenes totally it's it, bands like that they they i love that that's a part of the thing where like there's always that one band on a bill with bands like that where you're like you know they pick them you know mm-hmm. they're like oh they and, or they return a favor too type of stuff mm-hmm. you know like because i remember like there were times where when we were first coming up, uh, you know, some bands would take us out. And then when we kind of got bigger, we're like, Oh man, you guys were the first ones to give us a shot. Come on this tour. You know, like, I always loved that part of it. Cause like, if it wasn't for, you know, bands like hate breed, we wouldn't have gotten half the tours that shadows fall got at first. And that goes back to, you know, overcast hate breed shows where start, you know, from the the date, I think we might've played their first or second show ever was with overcast. So like that sort of, vibe carried on into that scene even as bands got bigger and which was always cool. So
2: um looking into the future of our podcast, Brian. So we we got episode well Rev 60 what number Jason? 61 was last 61. So 62 is the re-release of we're not in this alone question. Can't close my eyes. Can't close my eyes. Yeah. Close my so and then beyond (laughs) that so now we're into getting close to the 2000s right yeah um so looking forward into the next few episodes or the next year or so is there anything that sticks out that you're excited to learn more about
1: yeah you know there there is a whole kind of era where i i sort of dipped a little bit out and what's funny is some of it already happened some of it already happened on your podcast like the whole kind of like, uh, you know, every, I was like super into far side. I was like, one of my that band blew me away. But then like when some of the stuff after that, I, I did never really listen to, I never really listened to like Whirlpool and like some of that stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. so to, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the podcast made me go and kind of like, dig into some of those, you know, just to like, to at least put around. And granted, some of it still wasn't exactly my thing, but also it's tough to like retrospectively kind of put it in its place. Yeah. Um, right. But I, it, it made me like, be like, huh, how come I wasn't listening to this? And, it, you know, and I think back, I'm like, oh, cause I was too elitist and thought they were going college rock. You know, like sure. I was like, ah, Revelation Records is going college rock. Yeah. What's were you into Iceburn? The, Iceburn was no. That I got into Iceburn on the first seven inch mm. and absolutely loved them. Then I got fire on and thought they were the greatest band of all time. Still stuck with them through Hephaestus, saw them a million times in that era, like caught them whenever I could. I kept going for a while. And the last time I saw them play live, they were in a kind of a three piece jazz setup. The drummer was dropping chestnuts onto the toms <laughs> at one point what? while they were just looping noise. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I (laughs) I tried so sick, but also it it was rad. But like, at the time I'm like, just give me a one riff. I was willing to like, you know, zone. I was a super fish head, deadhead. I can do a 30 minute dark star and just zone out. But like, it was also iceberg. so I'm like, come on, man, just give me one riff. And literally that set build to one giant riff at the end. And they just crunched this huge thing. And then they were like, and we're out. You know, it was like half hour of ambient weirdness and chestnuts into like the world's heaviest riff that just exploded and then they were like gone. Like just did you hear the uh
0: one they just did on Southern Lord last year? I love it.
1: Absolutely love it. It's great, yeah, great
0: record. It's honestly some of their best stuff.
1: Totally. And a little more straightforward than I expected, honestly. Like uh, but like the sound just it just even though they were doing some different stuff, I was like, this is, uh, this got an iceberg vibe to it, man. And so I, I, I love that band. Yeah. So, um, but like I said, they definitely, they, they got off the plantation there for a minute where I was like, okay, man, we're getting too, too out there. But, uh, but more what I, I so I was into all that. I wasn't as into stuff that was like getting a little more like, to me, it sounded like bands who, if you took all the, Edge off of Dinosaur Jr. and bands like that, you know, because I grew up a huge Dinosaur Jr. fan, but I never really got into bands that kind of sounded like what people thought they sounded like, I guess, if mm. that makes sense, you know. Yeah, a copy so, of
2: a copy. Oh,
1: dude, yeah. I'm living
3: in that area, I mean, did you see them? Did you see I, Dinosaur Jr. and t- what time t- period?
1: Well, t- the best, one, the loudest show I've ever attended, there was a place called the Worcester Artist Group in Worcester, Massachusetts that was a DIY art space that did shows where overcast first ever show was probably fit about 250 by law but they'd put like 400 kids in there easy dinosaur junior was this was post bug but pre green mind and they were about to go on tour in Europe to festivals and wanted to do a warm up gig so they booked a show at the wag and it was the most packed room ever like uncomfortable super dangerous and they turned everything up to a thousand and then sat out in the parking lot for like 10 minutes, just drinking beer. while this feedback just ate your brain. And I remember almost being about to like, I'm going to lose it. Like I might have to leave. Like I was, I get what you're doing. I totally get it, but I'm about to lose it. And then they walk in and just rip right into a freak scene. And it was, over. Oh I was my like, God, this is the greatest band of all. Was that one was Lou still
0: in the band at that yeah, point? Or was yeah. It the, okay.
1: Yeah. I believe so. Oh, my son's asking, "Yes, it's cool." But I got you. My son's interrupting the podcast. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> We're podcasting here. Trust me, we all get. It. We all get. Yeah, it. we all get. And it was to hold up a sign that says, "Buy me a, a a net at Walmart for so I can catch crawfish when we go camping." So
3: that, <laughs> perfect. Uh, that sounds fun.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, that show is insane. And then I did get to see them in more traditional kind of shows around town. I. I that guy still everything he touches is still incredible, man. Jay Maskus is just a genius. Oh, and yeah. such- you won't find any you
0: won't find any pushback from us.
1: Nice. Yep. Yeah. Well, Brian,
0: thank you so much for uh, chatting. And like I said, it was as a fan of Shadows Fall uh, from from you know way back. It was awesome to hear that you were a fan of the pod. Dude, um, I,
1: I was stoked with, uh, you, for, when when you guys even responded to any of my like initial posts i was like that's so awesome you know? <laughs> uh but and sorry if i've completely forgot to talk as much about revelation records as i as i, I i'm a tangent guy, so i i get i get we distracted easily no this was so. i mean
0: we, we 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 covered all the bases i think people would be
1: stoked absolutely you know, so yeah hey and i i want to give a shout out to the ray and purcell seven inch because it doesn't get enough love that shit's awesome those two songs <laughs> rule they should have got a drummer they had to know enough drummers to just get a drummer but that shit rules so i love that Dude.
2: meme i love the meme that's like don't tell me you like industrial if you can't name this band <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should Dude, play it live up. when shelter plays they should Dude, play. I mean, if they bust those out they yeah. would go over all Dude, be so,
1: but they'd have to do it with a drum machine like they just have to program oh, yeah. it and, and play it like like direct off of like an ipod through the yeah, pa yeah, yeah. So it's just or like, like Rick to
2: lifestyle with a cd like totally. a disc <laughs> yeah. Totally.
1: totally Dude, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. speaking of speaking of ray too the the we're speaking of crazy shows i i don't know if you guys ever heard about the shelter riot in boston yeah i was not only was i at that i was like in the middle of that shit dude it was the craziest thing because that day right before that there had been tons of like issues with fights at shows and shit and people were just getting beat up during shelter and ray made everyone sit you know he's like that's it everyone on the ground everyone sit down And uh, this one guy is just like talking shit still like, fuck you, I ain't sitting down. And this one guy was like, come on, man, he's just trying to be chill. And the dude gets punched in the face and knocked out and Ray just yells, get him. And the whole place just swarms this dude. So, but the problem is, it's a bunch of just thugged out, probably coked up dudes fighting off a bunch of vegan straight edge Krishna kids. Mm -hmm. So it looked like a thing from like, was that World War Z? You know, where they're just yeah. throwing off like, there's just piles of people flying everywhere. And my friends who were, uh, uh they were part of this uh, band Dive. I don't know if you ever heard of Dive from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Now, he's now the bass player for uh, Dropkick Murphys and the drummers, the drop, is, plays the drop kicks. Uh, they had been playing street hockey before. So they had these hockey sticks behind the merch table and they got into the wrong hands and next thing you know there's just dudes standing on tables just swinging hockey sticks while Krishna beads are flying in every direction Dude. and like I'm standing there with my friend like what do we do and then he just gets hit in the face with the trash can I'm like we leave you know? like, <laughs> what year was this that was you know uh, about? had to be let's see 92 or three. Oh, that's
0: like peak shelter
1: too. Dude, it, a- it was it was like post in defense reality because I saw them play a small place on that with Vic in the band greatest mm-hmm. live set ever wow. fucking insane with 411 it was when him and Dano were doing that's the, right. like, Did that interview it, the, uh, it was the it was yeah and it was the parking lot afterwards was the discussion mm-hmm. and I'll never forget as an impressionable kid who is like get, getting into philosophy and studying different religions hearing those two speak at like, when I was like 16 opened my world in such an insane way more than a record could have more than any, you know, a zine watching these two guys have this back and forth and just making such huge points, even though they were very bipolar, like approaches to it, but also, but listening and respecting each other's voices and seeing that sort of back and forth. I was like, man, hardcore is the greatest thing ever. Like, it's so yeah. awesome. And I'd they just were seen like the best 19 show. or something probably. I, which is I crazy, I'd yeah. just seen this incredible show where both bands brought so much energy and then for them to be so intellectual and so just, uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. So between those two shelter shows, I, I had this incredibly intellectual experience and spiritual experience at one, and then literally saw a full scale police riot at the other. <laughs> ah uh, 90s hardcore. Wild. Yes. Yeah. The hardcore. <laughs> so anyway, tangents. That sorry.
0: Is, yeah. No, we <laughs> love tangents.
2: Absolutely. We love Leela. Yeah. Well, Brian, again, like Greg said, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I'm I'm hoping somehow we get to sneak you onto this podcast again at some point because this shit was just so um, much fun.
1: I'm always down man, always down. Oh, yeah. If there's ever anything that uh, that I can weasel my way into, I'm super down.
0: <laughs> yeah. All
2: right man. Well, thanks Thank so much. Thank you so
1: much. Cool. This Thank was you. A blast. Enjoy.